We hope you enjoy this podcast. With 100 books and counting, under his belt, Matthew Robert Payne is a true master of the written word. His works are a treasure trove of knowledge and inspiration, available at all major bookstores and online platforms. So, don't miss out on the opportunity to expand your mind and be entertained. Pick up a book by Matthew today. Hello, this is Michael Benjamin Jacobson. We're going to have a look at, uh, we're going to have a deep dive uh, into Matthew chapter 7. I was going to just teach on uh, don't, uh, don't build your house on the sand, but build your house on the rock. And I've been sleeping for 12 hours. Um, seems that uh, God wants to do a bit of work in me and I'm not arguing uh, for the last three days. I've been wiped out having like 12 hours sleeps and more. God wants to do a restorative work, restorative work. Uh, who am I to argue? So I was going to do just uh, that part of Matthew 7. The Lord just kept on casting my eyes higher, higher. Oh, that would be good. That would be good. I went all the way to the beginning of Matthew 7. If you know me, it may take a while uh, uh, to get through it. Um, so uh, first of all, I pray that um, the Holy Spirit may endure me, uh, in, uh, uh, come over me, and the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the fear of the Lord, uh, seven spirits of God may come over me. I bind, uh, I bind and, and shut down any altar or shut down any uh, demonic spirit that wants to talk. Uh, in in my passages and that happens often so I, I command them to um, be quiet in Jesus name I, I lift up uh, the name of Jesus I, I, I pray that uh, everything I say would glorify Jesus uh, and uh, I, I submit to the lordship of Jesus and uh, I I put down my flesh I put down my pride I put down any flesh uh, I say the Holy Spirit take control of my mouth and uh, use me and use me powerfully in Jesus name. I ask, amen, the name above all names. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to use, I use gunner, gunner, gunner. Uh, see how my eyes are today. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to, going to use uh, my, um, Keyboard, I'm going to use um, the, uh, the passage on my computer. Uh, first of all, uh, so <clears throat> I want to prequel this, uh, prequel is the word, I want, I want to go before uh, Matthew 7 by stating a passage that I uh, share with quite often in my books, probably 20 or 30 times in my books. If you know this passage, uh, you'll understand what I'm talking about. <clears throat> if you haven't read 20 or 30 of my books under Matthew Robert Payne, uh, you may not have come across this passage by me. Uh, but I feel that uh, the Holy Spirit uh, brought this passage up. This is foundational uh, into everything that's going to say. So the, the reason why a prequel, the, the reason why I introduce this passage first is because if you don't know what this passage means, 
you'll be doing all the rest. You'll be not obeying uh, the Matthew 7. Uh, so it's really the world. It's, it's the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age, the power of the air, uh, Satan. He works through music, powerfully through music. He works through the media. He works through TV shows. He influences you through magazines and uh, uh, news reports on, on the internet, news reports on newspapers. He influences you with, with the spirit, with the climate, with the, the way that the world thinks. So that when you come into church, if, if church is like the world, you're already influenced. So it's quite okay for the churches to start to act and market things and preach things and teach things of the world. And, if you're so into the world, you won't recognise that that's not godly. You won't, you won't recognise that <coughs> what they're teaching in church isn't the narrow way. They're, they're teaching the broad way. And uh, so, so it's important <coughs> for you to understand that uh, the only way to uh, come off the broad way uh, and go into the narrow way is uh, not to be partakers in the things of the world and not to be running after the things of the world. And uh, believe me, believe me, a high, a very high percentage of Christians are running after the things of the world. They're, they're, they're so worldly and uh, that can cost you eternal salvation. That can, that can cost you your, your eternal life. And, uh, <coughs> <coughs> You can see the enemy comes in uh, in my asthmatic cough. He, he tends to uh, bring his voice in by attacking me with that cough. So I'm so glad that uh, he's having his things to say about uh, what I'm going to do. So 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15 and 17 says, Do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. When you love the world, you do not have to love the Father in you. So what is the world and the things it offers you? It offers you a job, offers you an income, offers you an iPad, uh, a MacBook computer, an iPhone, uh, best brands, Nike, Prada, Armani. Um, it, it offers you... Um, you know, technology, uh, it offers you internet, and offers you all those things. Now, you can't get by without those things, Michael. You, you can't get by without them. That's just part of the world. Well, that system, the world, the, going to the movies, Netflix, going out for dinner, going out, having expensive wine, all that monetary expense on entertainment and loving yourself, that's the world. That's what... Uh, John is saying here, for the world only offers a craving for physical pleasure. So, so you know, uh, sex, sex sells and, and, you know, people love sex and that's physical pleasure. Um, there's nothing wrong with sex, but all the money you spend on your wife, all the money you spend on your husband, uh, all your clothes, all, all your uh, restaurants out, all your entertainment, all your walks in the park and, and uh, eating at cafes and stuff, physical pleasure. Uh, the world offers a craving for everything you see, that's your cars, 
your MacBook computers, your 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 best brands, uh, your your Nike uh, track pants, your everything uh, branded. You know everything you see, the nice uh, luxury cars, the luxury house, the, everything uh, we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. So. You know, that CEO, chief apostle, such and such, that's whatever you're being called, prophet, such and such. Um, I, I actually cringe when people call me a prophet. Uh, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's not offensive to me, but uh, I cringe, you know. I'm, I'm a son. I'm, I'm learning how to be a son of God now um, and not so much uh, be called a prophet. But uh, people are proud of their name. Uh, they're chief apostle, such and such, although they uh, master prophet such and such and Mary I'm not picking on your friend chief apostle um, and uh, you know apostle such and such or, or CEO such and such <clears throat> what's wrong with having letters after your name like degrees and not having them on your business card but imagine being the silent smart one <laughs> and, and people are so proud of their possessions and they you know they boast with them you know Jesus said, uh, be, beware of covetousness. Uh, life does not consist with the abundance of your possessions. Why would Jesus even waste a sentence if it wasn't wrong? What, why, what, what did the apostle uh, get re reminded of the Holy Spirit to write that sentence of Jesus down? Beware of covetousness. <coughs> what is covetousness? Coveting is wanting what your neighbor's got. So you see them with a nice Prada handbag, you go and buy a nice Prada handbag. You see them with uh, a nice uh, new pair of the new pair of Nikes, you go and get your pair, pair of new Nikes. You see someone in some beautiful ASICs, brand new ASICs shoes, you go and get your ASICs. Um, it, it's uh, coveting. Coveting is what makes this world, the spirit of this world, runs on covetous practices. And uh, Jesus says, uh, life does not consist of your abundance of your possessions. In other words, the life that we live on earth is wrong. The life, the life we live on earth is wrong. It's about time the Holy Spirit said um, to show everyone my shirt. Uh, like, imagine a world without greed. Uh, we're talking about greed right at the moment. This is one of my 200 shirts that uh, you can find on, on my uh, T-shirt site. Uh, not selling the shirts <coughs> to make a lot of money. I'm hoping that people get shirts and go and make a statement in the world. So our whole world operates on greed, on, on, on pursuing possessions, pursuing things to make ourselves feel good. And... Uh, a pride in our achievement and possessions. That's what <coughs> the whole world lives on. Everyone boasts about who they are and what they've got. And, uh, and the world just turns on that. We've, we've just got this uh, real world that, that covets and goes after things and possessions. And uh, this, is, this is the spirit of the age. This is, this is the spirit of the age, that this is the spirit behind the world and and it's right in right in the church it's, the church is full of greed and uh, yeah uh, so so the verse goes on these are not from the father but born but from this world the world is fading away along with 
the people, everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So uh, that's a, a foundation for you, sir. Okay, we're going to start on Matthew 7. And uh, you know how long I went because uh, you've opened up the video and it says a certain amount of time. Uh, while I'm here with my coffee as I start, uh, I don't know how long this is going to be. And uh, can't really play music on the video. I'd love to um, be playing my worship music. Uh, but I can't because uh, YouTube won't allow the video to go live if it's got copyrighted music on it. So that's a real shame. Because <clears throat> I'd like some music at the moment. Matthew 7. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. So, um, there's an um, my brother said that he didn't watch my videos because of all the ums and ahs. Uh, so, there, there is a time to judge. There's a time for discernment. Uh, there's time for a, uh, a person who's got authority to call out error, call out error in other people, and uh, call out uh, things that are wrong, being taught wrong by certain ministries, and I've done that. Um, and uh, some people have got a real problem with that, saying, do not judge. I, I don't feel that that's what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, if you're warning your people, if you're, if, uh, you're warning people away, uh, Paul called people out by name, called Paul mentioned people by name, so stay away from them. <coughs> he also said, you know, such and such is the only one with me now. Um, I think it was Timothy. Uh, all the rest have failed me when I, and, and departed and uh, haven't gone on with me. Um, when he was writing that letter, everyone knew who those other people were, so he was calling them out by name. So there is a righteous judgment. Uh, you know, Jesus called uh, the Pharisees a brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs, hypocrites, uh, sons of the devil. Um, you can say that in his words, he was judging them. So there's a righteous judgment. I'll give you an example of, um, uh, you know, uh, judging, judging that uh, manifests itself in uh, you getting judged the same way. Um, one time I, I saw some homeless people and, and I thought to myself, I said to myself, you know, they should get a house, you know, they shouldn't be spending all their money on whatever they're spending it on. They should get themselves a house. I didn't say it publicly, I didn't say it to anyone. But a few months later, I was homeless. And uh, the standard I judged them on uh, had happened to me. And uh, Jesus allowed me to be in a place where <coughs> I stayed with someone who kicked me out and I had no money and I became homeless. Uh, I've judged other situations in the past, judged people in other situations and found myself in the same position 
being judged uh, by uh, the same thing. And so this is real. And uh, if you think back uh, in your life, you can probably find an example of this uh, in your life. Now, this one, this one, um, this one has been a little bit of mystery to me. But last time I went through it, I, I did a 12 hour preach one time. Not sure many of my people watched it, uh, but uh, one of them did and <clears throat> only found one thing he disagreed with in 12 hours. So it was really good. I found when I did the 12 hour preach, I, I found myself waking up and I was speaking and my spirit was speaking. I, I was asleep, and uh, but it still turned out perfect. Well, I was teaching on this passage and uh, for those who didn't watch the 12 hour <coughs> sermon, I, I'll go briefly into this again. Uh, verse three, and why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you, Think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your eye. Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Uh, in the New King James, it says plank. <coughs> Instead of um, uh, log, okay? Now, I'll give you an example of this. <coughs> So John Lennon saying, in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. I could say the same thing on Facebook. I could say, when I, when I have really deep times of trouble, Mary Magdalene comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. Um, and then I could have all sorts of people uh, coming on the post uh, saying that I'm, I'm practicing necromancy, I'm, I'm a fool, I'm a false prophet, I'm leading people to serve other gods. And I could list 15 scriptures where I'm wrong, where they perceive I'm wrong. I had a little speck, I just said one thing, they said 15 things. Um, the, the one thing I said could be right, could be true. Uh, could be true in, 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 in my supernatural experiences and could be authentic, really be Mary Magdalene. I could be speaking the truth, sharing the truth. They're bringing 15 scriptures that they think is true and why I'm wrong. But sometimes their 15 scriptures are all out of context and all misunderstood. Right? People accuse me of necromancy all the time, um, but Jesus, uh, in the same point, uh, spoke to Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. If, if talking to departed saints was necromancy, well, then Jesus did it too. And uh, you'll find that every one of their 15 scriptures have got different meanings and different contexts and different there's different understandings to the 15 scriptures. Now, I don't have the time to go through and and write half a page on each of their 15 scriptures as to why that scripture is wrong, it's out of context, and it uh, doesn't play a role in saying I'm wrong here. 
uh, I could I could spend hours and hours and hours. I could I could disprove their fifteen scriptures. I'd come up with another fifteen. So, uh, you know, it's always, you know, I find that um, people who make a whole ministry out of um, out of calling people out, and there's there's um, websites who who do it. I've got a whole website calling out all the false teaching and all the uh, things wrong with hundreds of ministers of the faith. There's there's a business in it. There's there's a ministry in calling people out. Uh, I found people who did that, their attitudes so negative, uh, uh, so angry and so uh, not nice. The reason why uh, they came to my attention because I was getting called out and on the list set. And um, these are people who have got planks in their eyes, uh, logs in their eyes, uh, hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that they don't understand the truth of. And they're using those scriptures against someone who's anointed, who's moving in the supernatural. And uh, so Jesus' advice here is first understand your 15 scriptures before you start using your plank full of scriptures against a speck in someone's eye. You find if, if you deal with your 15 scriptures and get to know what they mean, you'll find that they agree with that person and don't come against it. Uh, so, but there's all ways that this could manifest. You know, you can have a fat, uh, untidy uh, guy with, with, that hasn't got a clean house, uh, hasn't got uh, great clothes, uh, coming against someone with a Marnie suit that's got a, perfect house and looks really good and uh, and you know everything's wrong with me I was describing myself everything's wrong with me and I'm, and I'm having to go at someone where something's right saying you know your tie's out of place or you know that shirt doesn't go with uh, with your shoes or whatever I could be doing a spec but you know if you want to look at untidy and, and haven't got it together you could look at my life and see I'm not qualified First, go and fix your untidy house, and uh, get some, uh, get a good haircut, and have a shave, and look presentable, and look good before you pick on someone who who who's outclassing you in every way. Uh, so it could be applied like that. It could be applied to anything. Um, <clears throat> someone with a music de degree could be picking fault. At, at, at a performance by a musician and, 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 and picking out uh, the mistakes that they made as they played that piano. Uh, and they're qualified to do so. Uh, they're qualified to speak to their partner while the person playing the piano and saying, miss that note, miss that note. Um, that's good. Why don't they check their own attitude and uh, rather than uh, complaining to the partner, why don't they just be quiet? make sure they don't do it when, when they play that piece themselves. Uh, so uh, many things uh, flow on by Jesus and, and by other speakers, of course, but with Jesus, uh, he, he's saying, do not judge. And then he's saying the way that you do judge, this is what you do. You, you, 
you use 15 different verses to tell a person they're wrong. Rather than going to the person and talking in messenger and saying, you know, these 15 verses that I think uh, say that you're wrong, where am I wrong? That would be a better, uh, you know, way to approach the thing. Uh, or if, if you did post it on Facebook, so here's 15 verses that uh, I feel uh, speak against what you're doing. Can you enlighten me where I'm wrong? And that would be a beautiful way of doing it. Then you'd be taught a lesson. And uh, the person, if they had the time, would show you why your 15 verses are wrong. Okay, verse 6. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls then turn and attack you. So once again, moving on. If someone uh, moving on in context, that the context of what's said before brings context into what he's saying now. So if someone comes onto your page and gives you 15 reasons why you can't be talking to Mary Magdalene, speaking words of wisdom, let it be, he gives you 15 verses. Jesus says, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. So he's saying, Matthew, Michael, don't go to the effort of writing 15 pages about showing that person where they're wrong. Just, just type. Um, I'd encourage you to look into the context of all those verses you just used and get the real understanding for them before you come at me again. That's all you say. Jesus said, Jesus saying, if, if I, go into 15 pages to explain where they're wrong. Not only have I wasted my time, but I've thrown my pearl uh, before someone who's unholy, right? And, uh, and, and also, they're going to come up with another 20 verses to contradict what you just said. And it'll be this never-ending argument with this person. So he said, don't worry with this sort of person. <coughs> If, you, if, if they uh, say something speck in your eye and, and you say, yeah, but here's, here's uh, 10 reasons why you're wrong about calling that a speck, and they come back with some sort of big argument, just leave it there. Don't persist. Another thing is he, he's given advice here uh, why you get someone uh, having a go at the speck in your eye. He's given advice here why people judge you, he's saying, because you said something holy, right? You said something profound. You said something that's special to you. So, um, you know, Matthew, keep your visitations from the supernatural private. Don't even be posting it on Facebook. Uh, keep that between you and uh, some close friends. Um, and uh, close friends that aren't dogs. But I've never... I've never um, looked at people like dogs, right? I've, I've got uh, 607 people on my Facebook and it's, uh, it's about to go down to about 200. I just haven't uh, done the latest uh, unfriends. Um, so the 200 <coughs> that I keep are all hardcore people that love me. <coughs> Thanks, Satan, for your input. So... Uh, so, so Jesus is saying here is all the special stuff, all the cutting edge stuff, all the 
um, profound sort of uh, mysteries of God stuff, all the all the knowledge you found out uh, from God, like uh, like for instance, here's here's something I was told about a month ago. Don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. It's quoted at people all the time who's who, who's not going to church, who's decided not to go to church. And you talk to a stranger on the street, and they find out you're Christian. They say, "What church are you go to?" You say, I'm, "I'm going to the Church of Jesus. It's just me and Jesus." and uh, staying away from organized religion at the moment. They'll come out with that verse, right? Well, that verse meant that, that the early church were uh, meeting uh, from about 6 p.m. in the night. People used to work from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. At 6 p.m., all the Christians went to the temple. The temple hadn't cut them out, uh, kicked them out. Like the Jewish temple, even though they were a cult or the breakaway, the Jewish temple hadn't dismissed them. So they used to spend from six to eight in the temple worshiping God. And then from 8.30 to 12 o'clock at night, they used to break and go to home groups. And uh, the, uh, so they're all together in the temple, thousands of them. And then, uh, then they break into home groups of, 10 or 20 people, and then to 12 o'clock at night or 4 o'clock in the morning, no matter how long they stayed, they'd stay in the home group. Then uh, they'd wake up at 6 o'clock, they'd get ready, start work at 7, work to 5, go to the temple at 6. They did that six days a week, right? Then on the seventh day, they just had a full day at the temple and in the home group. That was their life. Now, when that verse, don't forsake, the gathering of the temple, it was that, doing that seven days a week, all the time that you're not working with God, sort of fellowship. That verse meant don't forsake doing that. Well, some sort of attack came and they stopped doing that. And so they broke that. But when people say that today, it's not in context and it's not real. People did that 2000 years ago. The only time that uh, the church isn't forsaking the gathering of the brethren is when they're in seven-day-a-week revival. That's the only time where they're not forsaken. So now you share that <coughs> mystery, you share that revelation with the average Christians. If you shared that with the person who's telling you don't forsake the gathering of the brethren, you're actually sharing a pearl before swine because they'll talk that down and they'll say that's garbage and they'll get even more angry at you. Um, so... There's certain revelations that we're encouraged not to share with people. Um, and uh, that's just the case, you know. Uh, that's, uh, that's the case. Uh, I'm reminded of another scripture. I, I, um, I shared this other scripture uh, with, uh, I'll use my computer. Uh, it'll be faster, I think. Um, I shared this other scripture because it uh, uh, referred to dogs and swine uh, there. Uh, don't uh, throw your pearls to swine or like a dog, it'll come and get you. Uh, and uh, and, uh, and so it's, it's like Peter's referring to it uh, uh, here. <coughs> So, um, <coughs> so we'll have a look at this one because uh, 
because it's mentioning swan and dogs. Um, it starts, uh, but there were also false prophets among the people and false teachers uh, secretly bringing in destructive heresies. And it's 2 Peter 2, right? Uh, uh, so it starts off there, and the false teachers come in, right? Um, for when they speak great, uh, verse 18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who've actually escaped from those who live in error. Right? So talking about false prophets, false teachers coming in the church <coughs> and teaching people to go after the things of the world, which is most of the leaders of the church are doing that. While they promise them liberty, hyper-grace people, teaching you can do whatever you like and uh, the gospel of Jesus isn't a gospel of works, but of freedom. They themselves are slaves of corruption for by whom a person is overcome by him who is brought into bondage. For if after they've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of Lord Jesus Christ, they again are entangled in them and overcome. The latter is worse for them <coughs> Than the beginning right so you're supposed to come out of the world start to come into Christ follow Christ be surrendered to Christ be following after Jesus be investing your money in the kingdom and doing everything in the kingdom and not going after the last of the world but you stay in Christianity too long like Cain West uh, saved 2,000 people uh, if they go to the average Christian church, they'll just be worse than when they began. For it would be better for them not to know the way of righteousness than having to known it, turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to a wallowing in the mire. So there we go. Um, there's a dog mentioned. And there's a sow mentioned, there's a, there's a swine mentioned. Of course, Jesus was saying this before Peter. So he didn't know Peter was going to mention a dog and a sow. <coughs> Isn't it interesting, though, that they're using the same words? Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and turn to attack you. So it hasn't got dogs here, it's just got pigs. So be careful. Now, be careful with what you share. If you share, if, if you share holy things, if you share profound things, if, if you share, uh, you know, really powerfully uh, intimate uh, things of, of God and things that you're learning, people will judge you, people will have a go at your spec, at, at, at your revelation of what you share, and they'll attack you. They'll, they, they will uh, write to their friends and share your posts and say, this guy's a fool. So Jesus said, don't do it. Well, <laughs> I'm not very good at taking this advice at Jesus. I get so excited that I just share everything. And uh, Jesus says, don't do that, Matthew. So you understand that? So I hope I gave you some revelation on that. Effective prayer uh, is the next uh, heading here.
Verse 7, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Now, you can keep on asking for the wrong thing. You can keep on asking and asking for the wrong thing and not get it. Okay, so we should understand this. Uh, I'll give you two examples. Uh, I'll give you two examples where this doesn't uh, come uh, true. James chapter four, uh, verse two, you lust and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. Right? So you, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So there's one reason why you can ask and ask and ask and not get what you want. Uh, because um, you're, you're asking amiss, you're, you're asking for your own lust, you know. Uh, God, God will allow you to have an income, uh, but uh, if uh, if uh, you are using your income um, to to buy uh, things after your lust, uh, well, uh, that's one way to get it. But uh, if you need extra income, uh, if you need extra income to by your last thing, if you need a job promotion to get your better house or get your better car or get your better Armani suit. If, if, if there's lusting, if there's going after the things of the world and you need an extra job to pay for all these extra lusts of yours, don't expect God to give you the job because you're going to spend it on what you want, your lusts. And so that's the way that it doesn't happen. Uh, John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this the Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. So there's another way. If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask for what you desire and it shall be done for you. And, and by answering your prayers, the Father will be glorified. So what's the hold up there? Well, the hold up is, uh, the hold up there is, there's an Illuminati sign there for you, 666, 666, 666. See, when they do that, that's uh, Illuminati. Um, so abiding, abiding in Jesus and his words abide in you means that you're obeying everything he taught. Uh, 1 John 2, 6 says, he that says he abides in him must walk just as he walked. The way that you walk like Jesus and behave like Jesus is you know what Jesus taught in his 50 commands. And if you're practicing and living in those 50 commands, then you're abiding in Jesus. When you abide in Jesus, your will and your character and your name is aligned with Jesus. 
and you're asking for what Jesus would want you to ask for. But if, if your life isn't abiding in Jesus, if you're not aligned with what he taught, if you're not acting like him, you can ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and ask. If you're not aligned with him, you're not going to get what you're asking for. So um, you can keep on asking uh, and, and you can keep on knocking and you can keep on pleading. And if it's against the will of God, if it's no good for you, uh, there's a good chance you won't do it. Um, but this verse is for obedient people, people who are already walking with Jesus, who've got a good life with Jesus and, 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 and totally obeying Jesus. He's saying, keep on asking. If, if you want something, keep on asking. Now, I stopped asking for a wife. I, I stopped. People were prophesying, wife, wife, wife. I just got sick of it. Now it seems I've got her now. Now it seems I'm in relationship with her and, and she's finally come. And, and so uh, it's such a relief for me. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, I'm still asking to be used. I'm still asking uh, for a platform. I'm still asking uh, to be used internationally like, uh, like it has been promised. But I was told by Bob Jones I won't be travelling the church isn't ready for me for five years. I've still got another two years to go. So I can ask all I like, but it's not until God's timing that he'll use me. So there's four downs to this verse. Of course, uh, remember Jesus told the parable about the uh, woman coming before the judge and who was the unrighteous judge. And he said to himself, I better do what this woman says because she just keep on nagging me until I do it. So he did it. Uh, and uh, that was a sign uh, to uh, people, the same as what this is saying. If you keep on asking, if you keep on asking, it'll happen. And, and for the righteous things, for the things that will do you good, there'll be opposition to that. And the enemy will come against you and try and shut you down and try and stop you asking. Jesus is saying, you know, if it's the will of God and you feel that it's really going to serve God for you to get your answer to prayer. Keep on asking. You've got to break through that barrier, break through with your faith. And so I'm not trying to put you off. I'm just saying it's very hard to be aligned with the Spirit of God. It's not so easy because we're influenced by the Spirit of this world, because we're influenced by the world and its lust. So many times people, good Christian people, are asking for the wrong thing. But if you're asking for what's authentic, if you're asking for something real, uh, this, uh, this will happen for you. Um, there's, no one, uh, there's no one that can open a door for ministry for me until God is ready. I can knock and knock and knock, and it just won't open until God's ready. So uh, I don't want to put the kibosh on this. I don't want to make you feel so negative, but... You know, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you desires of your heart. That, that, that verse is one of my favorite verses. It promised that I'll have a beautiful wife one day, but it was breaking my heart because I had delighted in the Lord for many years and, and the desire of my heart hadn't come. And that's year she's writing to me every day and she's encouraging me. And I see it next Friday for the third time and it's really exciting. So I hope I've, I've covered that. There's, there's two reasons. If you're asking to spend it on your flesh, you're not going to get it. 
And, and if you're not obeying and walking with Jesus and obeying everything he taught, there's a good chance you won't get everything you want. You need to be aligned with the will of God, his future, aligned with his purpose. You know, there's a verse in the Old uh, Testament somewhere that says, uh, a man's ways seem right to him lead to death. In other words, in our flesh, there's corruption. In our flesh, uh, we want things that aren't right. We go in directions that aren't right. Uh, a righteous man's steps are ordered by the Lord is another scripture. Uh, when, you're, when you're righteous, when you're anointed, when you're following God, uh, your, each of your steps are planned by God. Uh, so, so if you're not righteous, if you're not walking in the Holy Spirit, if you're not being led by God, how do you know which step you're meant to take? Because one scripture says what comes natural to man leads to death. And one scripture says you've got to be righteous for your steps to be ordered. Most people, believe me, most people are making their own step and doing their own thing. Very few people are being led by each step by the Lord. And uh, I woke up two times. I, I smashed for 12 hours uh, asleep. And, and I woke up uh, two times. And two times I was given a passage to teach. And when I came here, like I said, and open to the passage, the Lord showed me verses before and before, and I ended up all the way at the beginning of Matthew 7. If I had a, just went with the dreams, uh, the two dreams, I would have been preaching something different. But I had to be led by the Spirit of the Lord, and he got me here. So what comes natural sometimes isn't right. The steps have to be ordered by the Lord in everything that you do. Verse nine, your parent, I, I will tell, uh, I'll, I'll tell you an illustration on this one. Uh, I was in the McDonald's and uh, there was a pretty girl and uh, I sort of, if there's a pretty girl and my eyes go there twice, that's me. But when my eyes went to her the third time, I asked the Holy Spirit, what's going on? And the Holy Spirit said, she's praying for something. She wants something to happen according to the verse uh, about uh, the woman going to the judge, the judge giving up uh, the thing and doing the thing because the woman would keep on coming back, begging and pleading. And according to the scripture, keep on asking that Jesus said, she's going after this thing and she's pleading and pleading and pleading. She won't give up. But God's got something better for her, better than what she wants. But she needs to give up on this one before we can give it to her. And we need someone to tell her that she needs to stop pleading for this because she's got something better. And I, I didn't know whether it was a male or a husband, what it was, but it was something really important to this girl. And so it was a scary word to go and give to a stranger. But certainly, you know, when I talked over the Holy Spirit, it was actually Jesus that told me at the time because I, uh, Jesus was directing me everywhere, not the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, well, it's hard to give, but imagine if you're in that position that uh, you're going hard after something and asking for it so much. Uh, you really need someone to come alongside you and say, hey, that's not what God wants. You, you're blocking him from giving you what he really wants, and so you need to give up on that. So imagine how you'd feel. And I said, yeah, I know, but it's really hard. And he said, yeah, well, that's why we got you going over there. 
So I went over and told her she wasn't impressed. She, she, uh, she didn't cry, but she wasn't impressed with what I said. Um, but she received it. She, she could hear it. She knew exactly what I was talking about. Very sad word to deliver. I, that's why I remember it. She was on this verse. Keep on asking, you'll receive. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. She was on this verse. She was applying this verse. Had to say, hey, hold it. That's not what you want. God wants to give you something else. So be careful with this one. <laughs> you could be in the same boat. You could be after something that God doesn't want you after. And uh, so uh, you need to reflect. Is, is this something I've been asking for 15 years and, and, and it's not happening because God doesn't want to give it to me? Um, so I just leave that for certain pe people that may, that story may wake you up to something. I will say with Cindy, I turned down seven girls on the way here that it could have been seven other women that could have been my wife. But I said, no, 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 no. And uh, Jesus said, this isn't her, this isn't her, this isn't her. And uh, so I could have been married six or seven other times. But uh, but I, I went with Cindy. Number nine, your parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Right. So uh, in the, the Matthew verse, I wonder if uh, it says that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, okay. So there's another rendering of that verse. There's another pat, uh, mention of that verse where it says, uh, uh, give uh, the Holy Spirit to those who ask you. So it mentions the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to labor on this too much, but this is basically my discernment verse. Um, a lot of people say test the spirits and really have, I really have tried to test the spirits. Uh, you know, many different ways. And I tried to apply everything that everyone says. It just doesn't seem to work for me because wrong spirits still seem to trick me and uh, hurt me. And uh, so I've never been able to discern the right spirit, but I stand on this verse that, um, you know, God's a good God. And uh, if I'm being tricked and fooled discernment-wise with... Uh, Voices speaking to me that aren't authentic, that aren't a uh, saint from heaven, aren't Jesus, aren't God. If I'm getting tricked and, and led astray and hurt, um, I'm still trusting this God. I, I, I still trust in this loving Father. And there must be a reason for it. There must be a reason that I'm going to write this tremendous book on discernment and moving in the supernatural and use all my examples of being deceived uh, to cut Satan down and to uh, give him a good uppercut. Uh, uh, so, so now this is going on, building on asking for what you want. It's building on uh, asking for what you want and knocking. Your parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? I remember when uh, Satan was in tempting Jesus, there was a stone. And he said, you can make this into bread. 
I remember that. Um, so it's interesting, a loaf of bread and stone are there. Well, they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? So it, they, they could be asking for um, not an eel. Do you give them a snake in, that looks like an eel? Um, a, a stone looks like a piece of bread. Uh, 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 of course not. So, so you could be given a stone and it could look like a piece of bread. That's the counterfeit. Uh, you could be asking for a fish and you could be given a snake and think it's an eel. Right? So it's not as though it's totally different. It can be a really close counterfeit. It can really look the same. Right? Of course not. So sinful people uh, know how to give good gifts to the children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts for those who ask him? So I'm sorry in, in beforehand for sharing that I've been deceived and led astray. That may stop some of you from even going into the supernatural, but uh, this true, this, this is the verse that comforts me, that God knows what he's doing with, with my good encounters, with my false encounters. Uh, uh, I've been in three delusions uh, in the last three months, uh, three major delusions, and each of them have taught me significant things. Uh, I'm learning that the delusions are like parabolic, they're like parables that have to be un uncovered. Um, in every one of the delusions, I learnt things, significant things, learnt significant strategy for my future. Um, I saw the future of my wife, I saw my future in the first one. Uh, the second one, I saw what my wife is capable, my future wife is capable of doing and what sort of beautiful person she was, even though I was asking her to do sinful things. Uh, and weird things, I just saw what she's capable of, her, her love is capable. And the third one, I discerned I'm one of the, gonna play out the two witnesses and stuff, and I, and, and I am, and I am, but maybe that's in two years time, not right now. Um, so I'm always learning. So what people would call delusion and can't trust Matthew, just trust this, even when I'm delusional, even when I'm saying things wrong. Weeks after I come out of my delusion, I've learned something and, uh, and it just seems to be the way God's teaching me is, uh, I don't know if he can give me the insight without taking me in it. And uh, I'd imagine, you know, you could talk all you like about uh, fighter aircraft and watch videos and watch Top Gun and watch documentaries. But when you get into a fighter aircraft and, and get taken for a ride in one, uh, that'll totally change your life. And my brother, uh, when he joined the Air Force, he was taken for a flight in a fighter and uh, he said it was unbelievable. Well, my delusions are like going in a fighter aircraft. I actually go into it and go off and go off into crazy land. But the things I experience are a lot more real. The things I'm told and shown a lot more real because I'm in that fighter jet. Then that fighter jet comes down after a couple of weeks. I realised some of what I was saying and thing wasn't real, but the experience was real and the things I saw was real. So the best way, that's, that was a really good analogy, uh, Holy Spirit. And uh, so that's, uh, don't worry for me when I'm off on a delusion. Feel free to uh, say that you don't think that's right and you don't think that's real and give me scriptures. And that would be good. But I trust God. I trust God, the good God giver, the, the giver of good gifts. 
So trust God, the golden rule. <clears throat> this is a rule that all the non-Christians know this one. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is the New Living Translation. So it's not my uh, New King James Version. I'm coming over to New Living Translation to make it easier for people. And uh, it's good to teach out of something new. Do to others whatever you'd like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So if someone comes up to you and says they need $50 to pay their power bill, just think of this. Just imagine a whole lot of financial problems for you. You had all sorts of finances. Your car broke down, your engine cost $1,500 to fix and your school fees came due, your insurance bills came through. You had about $5,000 worth of expenses coming in one month. It just wiped out all your savings and everything. And you needed $50 to pay your electricity bill or they're going to cut the electric off and it's the middle of winter and you need the heat. Imagine you're in that position and you went to church and you asked someone in church, can you borrow $50? And they said to you, what did you spend all your money on? Why are you short of money? Have you got a drug problem? Right? You wouldn't like that, would you? You wouldn't like them interrogating you while you haven't got money before they gave you money. You prefer if they just said, sure, can I give you a check? Or do you want me to go to a hole in the wall and give you cash? I haven't got cash in my wallet, but I can do it right now. What do you want? That's what you'd like them to do to you. <laughs> So when someone comes up to you and asks for $50, that's what you do to them, right? That's something you'd like people to do to you. That's what you do to them, right? I don't think people have heard it this way, right? If you're short of food, and, and I am, and uh, I've just got a meal for tonight and milk for tomorrow, but just one meal, that's all I've got, and some milk. I've got no other money. I'm $200 overdrawn again. Satan's really... You know, in, in four years, I've never been short of money. And in and, and the last four weeks, I've been $200, $250 down. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how it's happening, but it's so broke, it's not funny. Um, so, you know, I'm almost in a position where I need to reach out to someone and say, give me $50. And if my money that I transferred doesn't go into my bank account tomorrow, uh, I maybe ask a friend uh, for some money. Um, when you're in a position where you need money, it's hard to ask because, you know, most people say no. Um, so whatever, whatever you would like someone, if, if, if you're in delusion, you're major, in a major delusion, you'd like someone to write to you in Messenger and say, you know, do you feel that you're a bit off here, you know? I sense that uh, this isn't real, Matthew, and don't unfriend me, but... I'd like to say, here's five scriptures that sort of disagree with what you're saying. Um, but, you know, if you don't do it, you're not doing what you'd like. You, you wouldn't like to be in a delusion. Uh, so people know that thousands of, you know, millions of Christians know the scripture, but they don't live it. Obviously don't know it properly because they treat people terrible. And... Uh, and it's true that they don't do it because they don't know what the Old Testament says and they don't 
know what the New Testament, they don't know what uh, Jesus taught uh, to do to people. And, uh, but the non-Christians know this verse. Uh, do unto others as you would like them to do unto you. So don't judge them. Don't pull them apart. Don't tear them down. Don't be condescending. Don't use flattery with them. Don't, don't speak to them as though they don't know anything. Don't speak to them with big language and big words. Don't, don't uh, treat them like they don't know anything. Don't treat them like babies. Uh, don't, don't judge them because they're not a Christian. Don't try and tell them to correct their lives uh, if you're not going to do it in a nice way, in a loving way, in an understanding way. Don't even correct them if you know that they're not going to take it on board. Just pray for them to be corrected. Just treat people beautiful the way that you'd like to be treated. Okay, so I've given you some food for thought there. Verse 13. Uh, it's called on, on the New Living Translation here, the narrow gate. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Now, let me share something with you. If you've heard me, you've heard me. Uh, and you've heard me explain this one, but most people haven't heard me and uh, most people don't know what this means. This is not Here's my Illuminati sign again. This is not talking about the world and the Christian church. This is not talking about the broad way is the world and the narrow way is the Christian faith. It's not talking about that. Now, you've been taught that thousands of times, hundreds of times. Millions of people, billions of people have been taught that. But if that was true, 7 billion altogether, Four and a half billion on the Broadway, two billion on the narrow way. That's not a narrow way compared to that. It's half. It's a third. That's not narrow and difficult. That's not what it's talking about. Well, what is it talking about, Michael? It's talking about that many in the Christian church going the Broadway and that many in the Christian church going the narrow way. And, and, and a huge percentage of born-again Christians are going to hell. You can't say that. I've got many verses that can show you how that's true. Many, many verses. You can send me $100 uh, on PayPal and I'll go and look up the verses. I may even uh, do a whole teaching on the narrow way and what it really is and, and, and what qualifies you to be on the Broadway and where you're going to go to hell. It's narrow and it's difficult, and only a few ever find it. Now, if you're going to say a few out of 100, that'd be like three out of 100. It wouldn't be 30. So we could do a whole teaching, hours and hours on this one, how to qualify for the narrow way, how to uh, walk in the narrow way. What qualifies you? Uh, to be on the Broadway. Um, yeah. So, 
have a look at a few verses, hey? Why don't we have a look? Uh, remember, remember this one? Well, we, we had this one here. Uh, do not love the world, but the world only offers this, the one we started with. These are not the father from the world. The world is fading away and everything in, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So anyone who does what pleases God will have eternal life, all the rest won't. Right? So that's saying that you can't be a friend of the world. James 4.4, adulterers and adulteresses, do, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy? Um, okay, so how many of you do you think could be an enemy of God and go to heaven? Do you think you can be an enemy of God and go to heaven? Well, you're taught you are. You're taught you can. Well, you're taught you can serve the world and all its lusts and still be, uh, you know. Uh. Um. Okay, so... Revelation 3, uh, 14, and the angel to delay the scenes, these things says the amen and the faithful and the true witness, the beginning, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Now, can you imagine being vomited out of Jesus' mouth and then him picking you up and putting you back. You know, he vomited and he says, oh, no, this is part of the body of Christ. I better put it back in my mouth. I'm not going to vomit you and put you back. But you say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I've need of nothing. And you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Now, if you don't do that, you're in trouble. Right? If you don't do that, you're going to be vomited out of his mouth. People say, well, that's not true because he hasn't vomited anyone out of his mouth. He's not going to vomit anyone in his mouth. You wait for the day of the Lord that's going to come. James 5 says, come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and the corrosion will be a witness against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the labourers who mowed your fields which kept back by fraud cry out and the cries of the reapers have reached the Lord of the Sabbath, you've lived on earth in pleasure and in luxury. You've fattened your heart as in the day of slaughter. 
you've condemned and you've murdered the just and he does not resist you. So there's hard times coming for the people of the world. And I could go on verse after 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 verse of how people are serving the world and its lust and not serving God. And they're not going to go to heaven. So that's the narrow gate. The narrow, that, that's the broad gate. The narrow gate is, uh, is something completely different. And you learn the narrow gate reading my 55 books. You, you read my 55 books and, and put them into practice and you come around to start uh, following and living the narrow gate. Now, these are the people who are teaching you. This is... This is why you should turn off your TV. Because your TV are full of teachers like this and they're teaching you error. Beware of false prophets who come in disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by the fruit, that is, the way they act. Okay. So I've got $10,000 watches, $50,000 watches, $10,000 suits and jets and $50 million palaces and mansions and, uh, you know, $200,000 cars and multiple cars and Rolls Royces and BMWs, seven series BMWs. And they're getting picked up by limousines and staying in, uh, uh, in hotel rooms, $10,000 a night, $50,000 a night. That sort of lifestyle. If they've got that sort of lifestyle, they're looking like that, that's their fruit. Right? Now, what people think is that's the, that's the proof of abundance. That's the proof of being blessed by God. Let me tell you something. When someone's got a $20 million house and a brand new church for 100 people in India can be built for $8,000, the land and the church, $8,000 right, and $20 million. I'll just do a calculation here so I can really worked it out, 20, 20 million. $20 million divided by 8,000. Got my little trusty digital calculator here. When, when, when their house could pay for 2,500 churches, Two and a half thousand churches times a hundred, uh, 250,000 Christians. 250,000 Christians could have a church to fellowship in, in a, in a Hindu country where if they're outside, the other Hindus will attack them, especially the Hindu government, uh, the new government is attacking uh, Christians in India. 250,000 Christians, uh, having a place to worship or Creflo Dollar's new house, Jim Baker's new house or whatever their name, I can't, uh, can't think of their names. Uh, what, what, they have a nice house or 250,000 Christians have a church? What do you choose? That's just fruit, guys. The people with massive wealth, that's their fruit.
right? So you can obviously can can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit, right? You you don't see bad fruit. You you don't understand this. It, it's true. It's true that this is a mystery to most people. Uh, fig trees and thorn bushes and good and bad fruit and stuff. You know, Kenneth Copeland. He's very evil. He's going to a very bad place. Uh, he's one of these prosperity guys. So, so it's obvious that this thorn bushes and figs and thistles and good and bad fruit from good and bad trees and stuff that doesn't work. It, it, it just is not understood. It must be something Jewish because because it's not understood by Christians. Christians, Christians can see all this prosperity, abundance, bad fruit from these guys, and they can't tell it's bad fruit. They've got a wolf teaching them Creflo Dollar, for God's sake. Just the last name called Dollar, and, and, uh, and uh, people don't think he's deceived, you know. T.D. Jakes, all, all these people. T.D. Jakes is on Oprah. You know, the leader of Hillsong, New York, on Oprah. Uh, Oprah is one of the most wicked women in the world, and, and pastors are doing on their church. What are they doing on their church? You know, what are they doing? on Oprah, right? So every tree that does not produce fruit is chopped down and every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. It's just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Now, where else did it say uh, producing uh, every tree that does not bear good fruit is chopped down but I'm the true vine, John 15 says, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear my fruit. You already claim because of the word I've spoken to you, abide in me and you, and, and branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. Never can you unless you abide in me. I am the tree, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And without me, you can do that. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire where they're burned. <coughs> do you know what? Can I tell you something really scary? Most of you aren't bearing any fruit. Most Christians aren't bearing fruit. And because of that, you're going to be thrown into the fire. Unless you change, unless you learn to abide. And abiding isn't going to church and singing songs and abiding isn't going to church twice a week and abiding isn't what you think it is. Abiding is obeying and you can only be obeying if you know what you're obeying and if you don't know what Jesus taught and you don't understand what Jesus taught, you can't abide and if you're not abiding, you're going to be cast out. And if you're not abiding, your prayers aren't going to be answered. And so 
it's very scary. So here's a book, book for you. So you can pause after I say the name of this book, go and get this book. Money, 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 avoiding the lies of the false prophets, you know. So I taught on this subject about false prophets and false teaching and abiding in God. I, I taught on this book, I made a book called Money, 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 Avoiding the Lies of the False Prophets, you know. I encourage you, uh, get that book. It's only 64 pages, it isn't gonna wear you out. And uh, that can teach you about these false prophets that, uh, uh, that teach you this, uh, how to live uh, after and run after the flesh and run after the world and run after everything of the world and how you can serve money and God, how you can serve money and possessions and God at the same time and how Jesus was wrong. And uh, you can actually serve both. And, you know, Solomon was rich and Abraham was rich and all these great people were rich and you can be rich too. But, and Kat Curse and Kat Kerr, once again, she comes in, people hate me referencing her. She said that, you know, uh, Jesus was given so much gold and myrrh and frankincense that he was like a millionaire. He had so much money. And this idea that Jesus was poor, it's, it's false teaching. Jesus was really rich, you know. That's by her revelation, once again. It's not scriptural, you know. Uh, so gold may have got him through, uh, got his family through up until when he he, he was um, he was uh, went out. But honestly, he he needed the money coming from the people, and you know wouldn't have had those women in the gospels if if you like thinking Catfer was right there. Why would the women in the gospels be mentioned as as supporting Jesus' ministry and? giving into his ministry. Why would they be given that? Why would Jesus allow Mary Magdalene, a prostitute, why, why would he allow her to give her money to his ministry if he was already had money? Why, why would he do that? He wouldn't waste, you know, Jesus is 10 times better than any of us. He wouldn't take a person's money if they didn't have to give it to him. So, you know, you can believe Kat Kerr's hearsay and false teaching, or you can, um, understand that she was wrong about that and uh, that's deception and getting people into this concept of it's okay to be rich hey it's okay to be rich it's okay to be wealthy but to be wealthy and still in the kingdom to be wealthy and 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 get into heaven yeah you know 90 percent of your income per year would be going into the kingdom or charitable sort of things if it isn't if you're not abundantly supplying the kingdom with your money, you're not going to go to heaven. And there's so many teachings. It's easier it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than, than for a rich man to go to heaven. You, you can say that's a camel going through and taking all its load off to get through the eye of the needle. You can say that, but he's going to take everything off. You know, It's very hard for a wealthy person. Uh, to get to heaven unless they're sowing a lot of their money uh, into the kingdom. When you own two $20 million houses and four jets, or three or four jets like Kenneth Copeland, a $60 million jet, um, you know, when you, when you ask your donors to fund a 60 or $80 million jet, 
You know, what's so important that he can't go on a commercial airline? Is he so important, is he? You know, what's so important about him that he needs a, 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 a private jet? So, anyway, so the, the false teachers actually teach you how to go in the broad way. The false teachers, this, this narrow road, difficult road, that's not t taught by an authentic teacher. That's not taught by me. I don't teach the broad way. I don't teach how to go the broad way. I teach the narrow, difficult way. That's why I'm not invited to churches to preach at the moment. My message is too heavy. It's too hard. Now, 60,000 people have downloaded my books. Not one pastor. There's only one pastor I know who's invited me to a church to preach. Right? 60,000 copies of book. Not one pastor has invited me. Why? Because I teach a narrow, difficult way. I teach this narrow way. And because I teach it, I'm not invited. I'm not popular. But the popular ones, the popular ones, they're invited all over the place. Like even Jeremiah Johnson is uh, invited all over the place. And Jesus said this, beware when all men speak well of you, for so they did of the false prophets who came before you. So if you're getting invited all over the place and you've got a good name among men, there's a good chance you mightn't be too real. You mightn't be preaching a hard enough message if you're popular among men. So we're going to go into, we're getting harder here because we're talking about, now we're going to be talking about these uh, wolves. He builds on things, right? He builds on things, right? The, the wolves teach you how to live in the broad way. So you need to turn them off, shut them off and change, right? Then the wolves... He's talking about the wolves here now and, and the followers of the wolves too. But let's just look at the wolves, the false teachers. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Remember, remember here, remember here, uh, it says, uh, and the world is fading away along with everything people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Remember 1 John 2.15, we, we said that. Anyone who does what pleases God, the will of God, uh, will, uh, uh, will enter, right? So this, this lifestyle of reading my 55 books, finding out what the 50 commands is and starting to walk in the 50 commands, finding out what the 50 parables mean and starting to walk in the 50 parables, that lifestyle will take you to heaven. Right? Nothing else will. Right? Now, when you do that, you'll go to heaven and Jesus will know who you are. He'll know you by name. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, the wolves aren't teaching you the will of God. The wolves aren't teaching you how to do the will of the Father. The wolves are teaching you what's handy for them to get money. They're not teaching you hard things. They're not saying for you to do hard things because you won't give them money. You won't like it. Same reason people don't give me a lot of money is because I've got this hard message. On Judgment Day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. Right? Now, on Judgment Day, that's interesting. On Judgment Day, they'll say this. 
Why is that interesting? I'm going to make another coffee. I'm going to go to the toilet and make another coffee. Why does it say on judgment day, not when they die? Why, why is it judgment day? Why is it, uh, you know, 50 or 100 or 1,000 years in the future? Why is, it, why is it judgment day? Why isn't it when they die? And you ponder that and I'll have a break. And you have a little break. Wait until I come back to the camera again and we'll start again. So did you work out why why uh, it's not when they die that they have this conversation? They have this conversation on Judgment Day. Do you know what the will of the Father is? Will enter. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Have you worked out what that will of the Father is? I'll tell you something, it isn't. It isn't saying a one paragraph sinner's prayer, going to church on Sunday, uh, putting some money in the offering plate, going to a midweek Bible study and doing nothing. That, that's religion. I mean, honestly, a Buddhist does everything like that except uh, say a sinner's prayer. Uh, this one sentence, one paragraph sinner's prayer stuff that people talk about becoming born again. You know, when it says that in John, to see the kingdom of God, seeing the kingdom of God is seeing that angel behind you. If you can't see that angel, there's a good chance you're not in the kingdom. Um, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. 
Now, all my life, I had this question for my mum. Are they Christians? My mum, all my life, said, no, 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 no. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You know, you can't be a child of God and then not a child of God. There's no way you can lose your salvation. All my life, she said, no, 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 no. 16 years, this was my question. Then I read two books that... Uh, that changed my life and um, and I mentioned them on other videos uh, forget the name of the books uh, 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 yeah but anyway uh, they changed my opinion and um, uh, I think um, uh, what is it uh, uh, I'll have a look and find one of one of the books because I, I really feel that you could really uh do with uh, uh seeing the book uh um so i'll open it up and open up my kindle and find this book um uh, find find the names of these two books uh because uh i really think uh since we're on this subject, eternal salvation and how uh, following after the world uh, can can actually take you to hell, uh, you know, it would be handy if uh, you read the two books that um, that uh, answered this question for me, that people can say, uh, Lord, Lord, and not uh, end up in heaven and be miracle workers and people with uh, anointings and signs and wonders, Kenneth Copeland's. How can Kenneth Copeland go to hell? How can Kenneth Copeland end up in hell and all his followers that were following him? Uh, how, how could this how could this be the case? Uh, uh, so um, so right yeah, so um, The book is called Intoxicated with Babylon, uh, is, uh, is the name of the book. Um, uh, so the, the page I turned up said, Paul then asked, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? How can those who are submitted to God intermingle with those who are part of the system? which is in rebellion against God. How can the kingdom of light, that place of holiness, purity and truth, coexist with the unholy, impure, deceptive kingdom of darkness? These are two different kingdoms eternally separated. There's no gray area between heaven and hell. Paul is targeting worldliness among believers and probing such issues as should a daughter of the light be married to a son of darkness? Should a man who is governed by the precepts of heaven be yoked in a business partnership with one who has pledged allegiance to the world system? Should believers fraternise with unbelievers? The answer to all these questions is a resounding no. The one that has been truly saved uh, recognises the effect bad company has on him and he consistently avoids unhealthy relationships. Right? So... Uh, intoxicated with Babylon uh, is uh, 
uh, one of the books um, and uh, uh, and uh, the other book is uh, the other book is called Standing Firm Through the Great Apostasy um, and they're both by a person called Steve Gallagher and I hope uh, I hope that uh, I'll put the links to those books uh, underneath uh, in the description tag of this video uh, so that you can go and buy that. Hopefully I'll put my money, money, money one there too. And uh, you can go and buy those three books and do a thorough research on what will take you to hell. Now the reason that has got on judgment day, many will say to me, is that When, when, uh, when uh, Kenneth Copeland dies, if he doesn't uh, repent, publicly repent and renounce what he's teaching, when he dies, he'll go to hell. He'll suffer in hell. And then 50 years' time, whenever the rapture is, he'll come back on judgment day after the thousand-year uh, sort of uh, time on earth and judgment day will happen, I think. Then uh, he'll come up and he'll be saying, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles in your name. We did all the cast out demons in your name. And Jesus will say, but I will reply, I never knew, get away from me, you who break God's laws. Um, so, um, of course, uh, in, in, uh, um, in uh, uh, New King James, it says something different, and I'll, I'll share um, what it says. Um, Many of you would say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness, I never knew you, get away from me. You who break God's laws. Now, what is Kenneth Copeland? Let's use him as an example. What's he breaking? He's teaching that you can have a covetous lifestyle. He's teaching the Old Testament command, thou shalt not covet. When before in this teaching, I shared that Jesus said, beware of covetousness, for your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. Uh, I taught here, James 4, 4, that when, when you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. When I taught here that um, when, when you say you're rich and you're in need of nothing, you're lukewarm. And, and you're going to be vomited down the mouth. So he taught that, no, that's fine. You can have all the money you want. You can spend on your pleasures as much as you like. You can go after everything the world has as much as you like. In fact, I do it so much. Have a look at my $50,000 watch and my $10,000 suits and my three uh, $60 million jet airplanes and my mansions and my wealth. Have a look at my wealth. This is proof. You can do it because I'm anointed by God and I can do all these signs and wonders. Right? So he teaches it as proof. As the wolf looks like a sheep. He, 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 he's just abundantly blessed. And this is why you can be blessed because look at how blessed I am. So send your money and support me and, uh, and I'll give you, you know, the Lord will give you a tenfold return, all this stuff. Right? So... He's going to be judged and you're going to be judged if this is the sort of lifestyle that you live and you believe. 
And, and that's why they're false prophets, because they teach people to do things that are contrary to God's will. Now, I will apply for you. I will apply, but I never knew you, right? Do you know, uh, I've taught this before, I'll teach it again, because I'm going to repeat myself. Uh, you know, this I never knew you, what's this? Well, re remember in, in Genesis, it says Adam, then Adam knew Eve and they bore a son. When, when he said knew, that's sexual intimacy. That's the, 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 the sex, right? So Adam had sex with Eve. Now, he must have had sex with her a few times with she wouldn't have got pregnant straight away. So it was an ongoing sexual relationship. That's I knew Adam knew Eve meant that she he started to make love to her. Until she got pregnant, had a baby, and uh, then she conceived. So the I knew you is a sexual union between you and Jesus. It's not having sex with Jesus, and anyone writing books that say they've kissed Jesus and have had sex with Jesus and messed up. I know know someone who has just written a book saying she was passionately kissing Jesus and she's messed up. Right? But, and I told her she was messed up in a nice way. Um, but we have a relationship uh, in, in, uh, in John 15, uh, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. So the first entrance in the kingdom is a servant. You learn to obey, you learn to do what Jesus teaches. And it took his disciples three and a half years because that's when he said it, right just before he died. So they did three and a half years of doing what he said, everything he said, totally depending on him, having no money in their money belts, going out uh, to preach to people with no backup money. So needed people to look after them and feed them where they were or they wouldn't be fed. Right? So servants, then you become a friend, then you participate as a friend good enough and obey good enough, then you become a son, then as a son, you perform so well and you do so many great things and co-labor with God, they become a bride. When you're a bride, that's when Jesus knows you. He knows he's bride, right? And, and there's only 2% of people in the Christian church, two out of a hundred are the son, and there's less of the bride. When, when the remnant is talked about, it's talking about the sons and the bridal relationship. The remnant isn't anyone else, right? Now, these people, these false teachers were never a bride. Because if they were obeying, they wouldn't be coveting. They wouldn't have been going after the world. They wouldn't have been serving two masters. You can never become a bride serving two masters. You can't serve the flesh and Jesus. You know, when you're an adulterer, when you're committing adultery, spiritual adultery, when you're adult, having other lovers besides Jesus, Jesus knows about it and you can never become his bride. The same as, as a woman, you know, she's sleeping all over the place when she's engaged. Like the groom would have to be a fool to find out she's had five other lovers and still marry her. Now we know Hosea in the Bible did marry a prostitute and, the, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's precedence for God to accept us when, when we're committing adultery, but you know, it has to stop somewhere. It has to stop. Right? So this is teaching at another level, perhaps, uh, for you. Uh, get away from me, you who break God's commands. And uh, 
It says in here, you who practice lawlessness. Uh, and uh, you may be wondering, what is this lawlessness? Uh, what is this lawlessness? Uh, surely we don't have to, you know, we're taught, uh, you know, major Christian teachers uh, teach this, uh, uh, you know, Joseph Prince and uh, other hypergrace teachers uh, teach this uh, that uh, you don't have to um, uh. so here's a few uh, here's a few verses about lawlessness I just typed in lawlessness right Matthew seven twenty three, and then I'll declare it to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, like we we're just saying. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they'll gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Right? So uh, certain people are going to be killed that are obeying Jesus and his commands uh, before uh, he brings in uh, before he brings in his bride. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He's talking about the Pharisees. Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, I talked about that the other day um, because uh, there's this practice in Christian churches to teach that you don't have to obey Jesus and, and you don't have to obey the Old Testament law and you don't have to obey what Jesus taught, these hypergrace churches. Because of that fact, I can't go to any of my former churches and lend $50 off anyone. Because they won't obey, because they won't give to those who ask uh, what Jesus command. I could go to any of my three former churches and ask for a $50 and I wouldn't get it. That means the love of many has grown cold because they're not obeying Jesus. Romans 6, 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, but just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanliness and, and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members to slaves of righteousness for holiness. So lawlessness is basically disregarding everything Jesus taught and disregarding what God taught. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship it has righteousness with lawlessness what communion has light with darkness? Like uh, Steve Gallagher was saying, uh, don't uh, enter into business with a non-Christian. Don't enter into marriage with a non-Christian. For the mystery of lawlessness is 2 Thessalonians 2.7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And he who now restrains will do so, so until he's taken out of the way. So, uh, you know, the Antichrist spirit has gone throughout the whole world that... Uh, now LGBT are quite welcome in church, are quite welcome to preach, quite welcome to be a pastor, to be a gay pastor, that's fine. Um, you know, you can, you can go to church and, and be living together in, in, in a sexual relationship and uh, living together and not married. Uh, you can uh, be a lesbian church. You can, uh, you, can, uh, you can have all sorts of earrings through your nose and mouth and stuff. Uh, and be an elder and be a pastor, you know, you can wear skinny jeans and uh, all sorts of um, 
unmodest clothing in church. You can even be a worship leader uh, showing a third of your breath. That's fine. This is lawlessness at work. Hebrews 1.9, you, you've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So here you go. Here's a good person who, who, uh, who doesn't like uh, people dishonouring God. And uh, he, he's a person who's anointed with gladness. This is uh, 1 John 3.4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness for sin is lawlessness. Uh, this is the one I was after. Um, 1 John 3 to 5, and anyone who has hope in, in Jesus purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So, this idea that you can uh, serve the world and serve everything in the world and you don't have to obey God and uh, uh, you can uh, go after and covet the world and go after all the things of the world. That's just one example of lawlessness. And Jesus said, I don't even know you. Depart from me. Right, so this was the passage where I was going to teach on when I got up. Um, and uh, so we've got to it now. Anyone who listens, verse 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is like, like it's, it's foolish, like a person who builds his house upon the sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Okay, so what's he saying here? Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Well, that's, there goes 95% of the church. They don't know what he taught and they don't obey it and they don't do it. And if you're just watching this video and you're new to my channel, you're new to me, you'll be saying, no, that's not true. I follow Jesus. Well, what are Jesus' 50 commands? Look up the 50 word, 50 commands of Jesus. Print them out and put them on your fridge. You look for the E-Zine articles, E-Z-I-N-E articles written by me. In fact, if you go to the description tag, I'll have a link to the article that I wrote. Print that article and put it on your fridge. And just pick five of them and start to try and obey them. Also, get the 50, uh, the, the parables of Jesus made simple, updated and expanded edition and I'll put the link in uh, the description tag of this video. Get the, the 50 commands, start to obey them, start to obey the parables. List, read the book on the parables, start to obey that. Beware, there's hyper grace teaching in the parables book and, uh, and it's wrong in certain areas, but it cost me six and a half thousand dollars to edit it now, so I haven't got that sort of money. Um, so start to obey God. 
start to obey what Jesus taught. Because most of you aren't doing that. And it's sad, but uh, when, when destruction rolls out in years to come, and I've got a friend who's prophesied a lot of bad destruction in America next year. If you're not built on the rock, if, if your whole life isn't founded on what Jesus taught, these rains and floods are going to come next year, if they're coming next year, and they're going to wipe you out. Especially people who, who don't know what Jesus taught and aren't doing what Jesus taught. Uh, especially then. And uh, so uh, people will be saying, well, you can't say that. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I pray. I give. I'm passionate. I witness. I do all these things. Listen, if you're not doing what Jesus taught, you're in trouble. And and as far as I know, only 1% of the church really understand what Jesus taught. So how can you be doing what he taught when you don't understand it? I can sit down, read any of the parables of Jesus and tell you what they mean. You can't do that. None of your pastors can do that. The church is full of false teachers. And that's just a shame. Because there's more money in teaching something that's watered down and false. And that's just such a shame. That really is. A big shame. So I encourage you, uh, download the 50 commands of Jesus. And those of you who are watching me, you always hear me saying this. So you've already got it. You're already doing it. Uh, start to, uh, you know, do yourself a favor. Start to subscribe to my channel and start watching my videos. And start especially watching, uh, you know, a deeper look into the gospel series. Have a look at them. Start going through them. Start applying what I teach. And, uh, and if you want more insight, if you want more insight into what I'm saying, if you want a greater grace, if you want more ability to be able to receive and do what I say, start to give to me regularly once a month. Sign up uh, on my website and start a recurring payment uh, into, uh, what, into my PayPal start a recurring payment into the life of my ministry. And that's just a suggestion. It'll open up things. Uh, It'll open up insight, revelation, anointing. It'll open you up. And I encourage, if you're listening, uh, start to do that. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. So, in uh, in the New King James, it says that the, the people were astonished. So when you teach with authority, it's like, like I teach, uh, it's like my way of the highway sort of teaching. It's like no argument sort of teaching. It's like, come on, argue with what I just said. Come on, bring something back. So um, Jesus taught with such an authority, such power, that they'd never heard teaching like this before, which made it more believable. And uh, so Jesus said this, those who take what I've been teaching and apply it is built on the rock. He just done the whole Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. It, it encapsulated a lot of Jesus' teaching 
in those uh, in those chapters. And that's what Jesus was talking about. If if you just listen to this and don't apply it, you're a foolish builder. And so I hope you apply this. I hope as uh, you watch this, uh, you apply this. And uh, and I encourage you to uh, comment. I encourage you to press thumbs up. I encourage you to uh, post a comment. I encourage you to uh, finance my ministry if you choose to. And uh, I pray that um, you're blessed. I encourage you to uh, share this uh, with your friends on uh, Facebook or Twitter or anywhere you can. Hope it's not too offensive uh, to your friends. I hope uh, you wouldn't get a bad name by sharing it. And uh, God bless you and keep you. And uh, pray for me because I need prayer. God bless. Welcome to the end of this informative podcast. We hope you found it enjoyable and enlightening. With 100 books and counting, under his belt, Matthew Robert Payne is a true master of the written word. His works are a treasure trove of knowledge and inspiration, available at all major bookstores and online platforms. So, don't miss out on the opportunity to expand your mind and be entertained. Pick up a book by Matthew today.